Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. Good morning, TLCC West Orange Campus. How are you this morning? And our online campus, I want to welcome you as well. I'm glad that you joined us today, and part of your morning is with us here online. We're continuing our series, Greater Than, and we're going to be looking through the book of Hebrews. And if we haven't met, my name is Ryan Moore, and I'm the pastor of care here at the Life Christian Church. Today, I want to talk about the theme titled, Greater Than the Trials of Life. Greater Than the Trials of Life. It is true that life is full of times that are wonderfully joyous, as well as times when it seems very crushing, horribly crushing. There are times when we feel confident, we feel excited for what lies ahead, and there's times when we feel completely worthless, helpless, and hopeless. I hope that when you would had those down times, you had someone that would come alongside you and just say the right words at the right time. It's amazing how a simple few words from someone spoken with sincerity at just the right time can give you the strength for you to carry on. So in our passage this morning, the writer of Hebrews is digging into the biblical rainy day folder. A rainy day folder is, you know, kind notes and quotes of encouragement uh, where times are, are really hard for you. And it gives you perspective on the need to carry on. The Hebrews writer knew the believers to whom he was writing were facing hardship and They may have been questioning whether their faith was misplaced. They were beginning to feel discouraged and as though God had abandoned them or forgotten them. And so this this passage serves as a reminder that God never abandoned his children. And it gives us evidence that we can point to whenever we begin to question that truth. So the first point I want you to understand is this from our, our scripture verse today is Jesus as our perfect leader. Jesus as our perfect leader. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 says this, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus through his suffering a perfect leader fit to bring them into their salvation. He describes Jesus as being made the perfect leader because of his suffering. The term we translate as perfect leader is a rich term because it carries with it a couple of different ideas. Someone who blazes a trail that others may follow, a champion. The statement about Jesus Christ's choosing to bring many children into glory in verse 10 is one of those clearly expressed summaries of the gospel. What has Jesus done for us? Because he blazed the trail for us, he made it possible for us to be adopted into a new family, a spiritual family, sons and daughters in Christ. And so verse 10 declares about Jesus in another translation, the New King James Version, for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 in the New King James Version. The word captain there gives us the idea of the trailblazer. Jesus Christ is the founder. Jesus Christ is the pioneer. Jesus Christ is the preeminent one. 
Jesus Christ is the perfect leader. Jesus Christ is our champion of our relationship and our salvation with God. He brings many sons and daughters to glory as the captain of their salvation, the one who blazed the trail. And how does he do this? Well, the last part of verse 10 tells us through sufferings, namely the cross. That is the meaning of the word perfect. It means to bring to completion that Christ is made perfect here is not meant in terms of his nature, as though he lacked something. Clearly, that is not the case. That Christ is made perfect, rather, is meant here in terms of completion and fulfillment, and is connected to the phrase, through his sufferings. And so Jesus Christ, being the captain, the leader, the trailblazer, is evidence in and through his sufferings. And so in the ancient world, a champion was a soldier who was sent to fight on behalf of his army against another soldier. If he won, so did his army. If he lost, his army did too. I want you to know, because Jesus Christ was victorious, we're part of his group, the victorious side, the winning team. And this is the idea that the writer has in mind when he calls Jesus our perfect leader. Because Jesus experienced all the same things that we do, but was without sin, he made it possible for each of us to have, what, salvation, a relationship through him. And so the sufferings of Christ are necessary in order for Jesus to be our Savior. If anyone is going to be saved, if anyone's going to have a relationship with God, it will not be possible without a suffering Christ. That may seem obvious to many of us who were raised in Christianity, but the fact that the Messiah would suffer to these original hearers who were Jewish people, that was something they had to get their mind around. It was hard to think about that, to comprehend that. And so they thought of the Messiah as a conquering king, not a suffering Messiah whose flesh would be crucified. So the writer of Hebrews is helping these early Jewish believers understand the need for Christ's suffering in order to make a way for us to have a relationship with God, to be adopted into a new spiritual family. And so because Christ is the trailblazer and our perfect leader, we as believers in Christ today, enjoy a spiritual family. We're a family in God. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. It says this, verse 11, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given me. So the question for us is this. How much could we know about God by simply studying nature? We would know about his wisdom. We would know about his power. We would know that God has creative ability, infinite creative ability. But we would be very limited to discover the love of God by just simply studying nature. We would never know if he knew who we really are. If God would know my name personally, or does he even really care about us? See, a God of the stars, a God of the moon, a God of the sun would be great and powerful, but he would never be personal. And that's is why the scripture is explaining why Jesus had to come to earth. 
These verses tell us that we share a common humanity with Jesus. That is why he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. God has come down where we live and be amongst us and is one with us. I want you to know he didn't come and just shout to us from heaven. I love you, TLCC. He took on the very nature that we have, flesh and blood. He was born, lived like we live, experienced death like we do. So when he says, I love you, we understand that Jesus Christ has become one with us. And so verse 11 says this, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy, who are the ones he's making holy? Me and you have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters, a family term. And so the word holy can be also be translated sanctified. What does that mean? It means to be set apart. Jesus has set us apart for his specific purposes, his specific will, and his dreams that he has for us. And so Jesus Christ sets us apart by leading us to experience this relationship, salvation, that he himself has made possible through his death, that we may have life everlasting. And so the writer says of this that we are all of one. Verse 11, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same what? Father, that is the one origin, a reference to God himself. And for this reason, he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. We enjoy a spiritual family in Christ. I want you to know this. I have more in common with all of you in this room who believe in Jesus Christ than I have with those who are my natural family who don't believe in Christ. Why? Because we have the same father. We have the same father. And it's made possible because of what Christ did on the cross. Jesus has always been God. There's never been a time in all of eternity where Jesus was not God. But Jesus became like us in order to bring us to a relationship. He did not become God. He was God. And in the same way, we will never become gods, but we will always be loved by God. And here's what the, the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us. We are now part of Jesus's family. He loves us the same way an older brother should love his younger siblings. I want the best for them. I'm proud of them. I want them to go in the right way. I don't want them to go off course. I want them to achieve in life. And Jesus is not ashamed of us no matter how badly we mess up. He looks on us with love and pride. We are his. I hope you understand that no matter what you may be thinking about yourself, Jesus loves you and is proud of you. No matter what is in your past, no matter how inadequate you may feel at times, no matter how much you feel like you don't even deserve it, Jesus is proud to call you part of the family. Part of the family. Aren't you glad that today you're part of the family of God? Amen. We were at one point outside of the family, but now we are inside. And how did that happen? Well, it's through Christ. 
He blazed the trail for us, made a way for us to be included in this great spiritual family. That means we're accepted by God. We're approved by God. In spite of our performance, in spite of last week's actions, we are never kicked out of the family of God. God accepts us forever and always in Christ. And so not only do we know that he's the the trailblazer, we enjoy this great benefit of being a family in God, but because of Christ doing those things, we also have freedom from the power and fear of death. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 says this, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Through death, through Jesus dying on the cross, for our sins, he destroyed him who had the power of death. And who is that? The Bible tells us that it's the devil. The devil had the power of death. Adam was created to have dominion over the world. And and what happened? Well, sin brought sin into the world, and death is there now. It's here. The devil then had the power of death over all those who were in Adam. But something marvelous happened. Jesus Christ has come. And through death, his death, a death caused by other men's sins, Jesus what? He regains the dominion lost through Adam. He regains it legally and righteously by dying on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he dealt a blow to Satan. He robbed Satan of the power over death. It was a major blow. We know that there's other scripture verses that tell us that the devil prowls around, seeking whom he may devour. So he goes around all day prowling, prowling, who can I devour? And we know that he does devour some people. But I want you to know this. He's prowling around, but he's prowling around with a limp. Why? Because Jesus was victorious at Calvary. That's why. His power has been taken away. It's limited at the most. For all those who are in Christ, Christians, we enjoy salvation's freedom from the power of death. And that means as Christ follows, we can enjoy the freedom from the fear of death. Let's not give the enemy any credit that he does not deserve. God is all powerful. We need to keep our eyes on him because he will take care of evil forces. And so another version of of Scripture says this, the the message version says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15, and he freed all who cower through life, scared to death of of death. And, And the point is this, God doesn't want us to live in fear, nor does he want us to live in defeat. He wants us to live with the confidence that comes from knowing that he is a victorious king, risen king, defeated death, died on the cross, and he rose from the grave. 
And so the question for all of us is this, what trial, what temptation that you are facing right now is causing you to live in fear and rob you of the abundance of life in Christ? And sometimes we can look at death as physical death. Yes, absolutely. But also there's a spiritual death as well. And so what is sucking the life from your spiritual life, abundant life that Christ gives you? Maybe it's anxiety. It comes and robs you of that abundance in Christ. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's mental health issues. Maybe it's performance at your job to make sure those deals are done. Maybe it's living up to someone else's expectation of you. Does it rob you of the life that God has given you? Well, God doesn't want us to live in defeat or be robbed of the abundant life that's in him. And so I want you to know this. Whatever trial, whatever temptation, whatever adversity that has confronted you in your life, this last point gives us a lot of hope. Because Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18 says this. The fourth point is this. We have a friend who understands. We have a friend who understands. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18 says, Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters. Why? So that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Verse 18 says this, Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. And that word able there means that God, because he has all power and is greater than any temptation, trial, or adversity we will face in this life, he gives us the ability to act on his power. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this, God is faithful. I love scripture when it talks about his character. Number one, God is faithful, always faithful, always will be there for us. But then it says, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so as believers, we are to clothe ourselves each and every day with the full armor of God so we can stand against the forces of evil each and every day. But I want you to know this. Did you know, because the Son of God took full humanity to himself, he is able to know from personal experience what it's like for us to suffer as we do. He wept tears of sorrow. He experienced hunger and thirst. He felt weariness. He was betrayed. And as for our sin, he too felt temptation, though without any sin himself. He was tempted by the devil to sin while he went into the wilderness. He was tempted to withdraw from the agony and humiliation of the cross, also by the words of Peter. He was even tempted to flee from the pain of the cross when he was in the garden awaiting his betrayal. Even such great agony as to have 
sweat falling from his head like drops of blood. He died on the cross for our sins, not for his own, but for ours. He himself never sinned, but he knows exactly what our temptation and suffering is like. And because he knows that you and I suffer, he's perfectly able to be compassionate towards us, to help us in our time of need. He's able, as it says in those verses, to be what? A merciful high priest, one who helps us in our time of need. And so the writer of Hebrews would even say in chapter 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. I want you to know we have a God who understands. We, have, we, we serve a God who understands our weaknesses He's familiar what it feels like to be tempted. He's also a high priest who's compassionate and gracious when we stumble and fall. And so he can lift us up, put us on our feet again. He stands at the Father's side as our advocate and mercifully can point and merit his own blood on our behalf. And that's why the Apostle John would be able to write these words in 1 John chapter 2. He says, my dear children, all right? this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does miss the mark, we have an advocate with the Father. I want you to know God the Father will always take your case and you will always win because of Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And it says he is the atoning what? Sacrifice for our sins and not yours only, but the whole world. I want you to know that we serve a God in Jesus Christ that's not out of touch with our reality. He understands and is able to help us in our temptations and trials and anything that would confront us. He understands the tears that we cry at night. He understands the anxiety that rattles us. He understands the pain and the disappointments of this journey in life. He understands it all. But not only can he understand what we go through, the scripture says he can help us in our time of need. There's a story of Joseph Scriven. Joseph had wealth. Joseph had education. He had a devoted family, a pleasant life in his native Ireland. Then unexpected tragedy entered. On the night before Scriven's scheduled wedding, his fiancée drowned. In his deep sorrow, Joseph realized that he could find the comfort and support he needed only in his dearest friend, Jesus. He would later pen these famous words in popular hymn of the Christian church, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. He later would go on and say, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry 
everything to God in prayer. We have a friend in Jesus Christ who understands we can always come to him because he's a merciful, compassionate God. May I offer a prayer? Dear God, some days feel too hard. The hurt, the struggle, the fear, the worry at every turn. But in the midst of it all, you haven't left us to fend for ourselves. Forgive us for doubting you are there. Forgive us for thinking you've forgotten us, Lord. Forgive us for believing that somehow we know the better way. You are fully trustworthy, God. You are all-powerful, God. You are able. You are Lord, and Lord, you are greater than any situation, no matter how difficult it may seem. You are a healer. And so we ask for your comfort to surround us, Lord. We pray for peace and for your presence to cover our minds and our thoughts as you remind us that you're a friend who understands and is able to help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.